This is Servant Marcia Carney with Escape to Heaven. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me. And He's calling Indeed, a beautiful day to wake up and be able to move around, do all the things that's in your heart to do, and in the middle of it all, believe that you can fulfill the will of God as His kingdom come to this earth. You're listening to Wave 94, 94.1, Escape to Heaven, Servant Marcia with Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ. I am so excited this morning because I went through a lot the last week and my daughter was ill and, you know, God healed her supernaturally within like 12 hours. Oh, God, thank you for there being a God. Thank you for the power of the Most High. I am so excited. I wonder, though, why... Why were we created? I mean, why? What was the purpose of the Almighty God who created everything to come up with an idea of creating a being just like himself? I mean, why would he do that? And that's the question that uh, we're going to pursue today. I decided, you know what? We might as well go to the first page of the Bible. Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I want to pause right there because that is so significant. God created everything, the heaven and the earth. And knowing that God is holy and perfect, when he created whatever was created, he created it perfectly ready to operate, function, multiply, continue, perpetuate because of his actual nature himself. But there's something kind of weird because when you go to Genesis 1, the second verse, it goes like, and the earth was out, was without form. That's, that, that doesn't add up. And, and guess what? Void. Again, that doesn't add up. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Again, what's going on? Our perfect God created heaven and earth. And I'm certain that when, when they were created, they were fully functional. How did we get to this moment of the earth without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep, and then the Spirit of God, it moved. He moved upon the face of the waters. So that means that water is there. Earth is without form, void, darkness, very inconsistent with the perfection that we know that our God exemplifies in everything he does. Matter of fact, when I, as I'm reading it, I thought of Psalms, the eighth chapter, 
And it starts out with, um, just go there, Psalms, the eighth chapter. It says, O Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And then it says, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou has ordained. Even David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man whom, you know, that thou visited him for thou has made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor and made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Thou has put all things under his feet. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now, that was a very valid question by David. Matter of fact, it's the same question that I have today that I'm bringing to your Attention, was creation really creation? You know, we call it creation. And in the Bible, it tells us in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But the other part after verse number two was that creation. And that's the question we're getting there because we know that uh, the spirit of God is moving over the face of the waters. We have no idea how long. And then all of a sudden in Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, it didn't say he created light at that moment. It said, let there be light. I interpret that to mean allow light to exist where I am right now. Let light come forth, meaning that it's very possible that light had already been created or existed. And now he's saying, allow light. Okay. And God saw the light. It was good. Then he divided the light from the darkness that we saw in Genesis 1, 2. I want to know, I've looked all through the Bible. I say, now, how did we go from the state, we being the heaven and the earth of absolute perfection to Genesis 1, 2? where the earth is now without form and void and darkness. I, You know what? I need the Holy Spirit to lead me through this teaching. So I'm going to stop and pray. Father God, I ask you to anoint your servant, that I speak the words that you desire me to speak, that we learn what you want us to learn, and that our revelation and understanding increase, and we are drawn closer to being the children that you've created us to be in your image. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so now I'm going to go over to our creation. Genesis 1, 28. And that says that, um, so God created. Well, let's go to 26. It said, and God said. So every time God says something, it's like something's going to happen. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, so man is plural, meaning mankind, have dominion over the fish, over the fowl, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image, in God's own image, in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. But God took it a step further and God blessed them. I want you to pay attention to this blessing. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. Key word, replenished. Why would you use the term replenish if nothing had ever existed before upon the earth? Mm. Replenish the earth, subdue it. That means that they're going to have to take authority over some adversity and have dominion over the fish, the fowl, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That is a very unique, purpose-filled blessing so that the image of God can fulfill the intent, desire, and will of God. But that, you know, that made me have more questions. Why would God say to mankind, replenish the earth? Because the word replenish means to refill to uh, repopulate, meaning that previously there was a population. So what happened to the population that existed between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2? I don't know, but Prophet Isaiah in chapter 24 does say something that makes me say, maybe this is what happened. So let's go to... Isaiah 24, verse number one, it says, Behold, the Lord made the earth empty. So that's how it got empty and made it waste and turned it upside down and scattered all of the inhabitants. And everyone encountered this situation of a turned upside down earth and scattering because in verse two it says and it will be with all the people so the people the priest the servant the master the maid the mistress the buyer the seller the lender the borrower everybody experienced this thing that god did the land shall be utterly emptied utterly spoiled For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourned, faded away. The world languished and faded away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. And why? Why did God do that? Verse number five gives us an insight to why did God make the earth completely empty and void? That's how I feel. Okay, verse 5, it says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed, transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Now, that, that got me. I mean, I can understand about they transgressed the laws. Well, that's the... Maybe that's the Ten Commandments and statutes and principles of God. 
and uh, changing the ordinance. Okay, I was like, all right, what is that? Could that possibly be that we're resting on Sunday instead of resting on the Sabbath? I don't know. I do know that Constantine did change it. Mm. But the everlasting covenant, that really perked my interest. And verse number six says, therefore, the curse devoured the earth so that they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burnt and few men left. Is that the void that we are reading about in Genesis 1, 2? And is that why as the image of man was created and blessed by God, the word replenished is used because the earth per Isaiah 24, behold, the Lord make the earth empty. Okay. I'm just making us think today, but I am very, very interested in understanding what is this everlasting covenant? What is it? So if I go over to Genesis, the 15th chapter, which is the beginning of this everlasting covenant, we will see that the Lord uh, is speaking with Abram, and his name is not Abraham at this point, and he's telling him, fear not, I am your shield. And uh, Abraham is talking back to God, said, well, I, you know, you say all these big words, but I don't have any children <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, uh, no man, no one born in my house is my heir, meaning that um, he did not have any children from his own loins. And then the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him and said, this shall not be uh, the guy. I think that was, um, I forgot his name, but he had this great servant. And uh, the Lord told him, no, no. You will have children from your own bowels. And God brought him outside and said, now look up at the heavens and tell the stars. Now, if you're able to number them, then he said, that's going to be the number of your seed on earth. And so Abraham believed the Lord. And the Bible lets us know that his faith and his belief in God was counted as righteousness unto him. And so the Lord spoke to him and told him about how he's going to have all these inheritance, all these descendants, and they're going to uh, be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. They're going to serve, be slaves or whatever. They shall be afflicted for 400 years. And then God is going to judge the nation that afflicted them. And when they come out, they're going to come out with great wealth. So we know that story in, uh, about the Egyptians and Joseph and, and uh, Israel coming out. Uh, so we know that. But then God says something further. He says, in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So this is the prerequisite to the Lord or a part of God creating this everlasting covenant with Abraham concerning his descendants. And so the next question I have is, what is the iniquity of the Amorites? Uh, further down in Genesis, the 15th chapter, 
The Lord says 18th verse in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. It doesn't say it's everlasting, but it says it's a covenant. Okay. Unto thy seed, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. And then he names all of the tribes or, or, or beings uh, that exist in the current land. And that would be the Canaanites or the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, Hittites, Parasites, Rephraims. Those are the Rephraims are straight up giants and almost direct uh, descendants of that mixture of angel seed and mankind seed uh, when the angels came down and had intimacy with the women on earth and created the Nephilim. So the Rephraims are a direct descendant of that. And then it says the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Mind you, the Jebusites is the land that we now call Jerusalem. So the Lord said, I'm giving all that land. He's talking to Abram, to your descendants. Now we want to understand, uh, okay, wait, the everlasting covenant is Genesis 17. And Abram was 99 years old. And the Lord say, I am the almighty God, be perfect. And I will make my covenant. So God first introduces the covenant and he makes the covenant about the land. But we want to understand more about the everlasting covenant. And so uh, he says, I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. So now Abraham and the Lord, they're interacting. And he says, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. He changed his name to Abraham. And then he says, I will make nations and kings out of you. I will establish my covenant. Now he's establishing the covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations. Here we go. For an everlasting covenant to be a God or the God to them and to thee and to thy seed after thee. Okay, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, which is all the land of Canaan that we just described from Egypt to Euphrates for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So now we know that uh, the land is indicative or is the manifestation of the proof that God has made this everlasting covenant with Abram and his seed. But we still aren't there. So going a little further, God said, now I'm going to keep my covenant, but here's the part that you got to do. So Abram portion of the covenant, because the covenant requires two people, two individuals to agree and then take the oath and make the covenant. So here's Abram portion. This is my covenant between which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. And here it is. This is what Abraham have to do. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. So now we're seeing the portion 
the responsibility, the commitment that Abraham's seed descendants have in order to maintain the everlasting covenant. Okay, so uh, any once a male child is eight days old, then they have to go to the priest and uh, or they have to be covenant. They have to be circumcised. Okay, and um, anybody that works with the Israelites or strangers that's living in their household. And so the Lord says, my covenant shall be in your flesh. So all of the descendants of Abraham is Abraham's flesh. And the circumcision is the covenant of the spirit of God dwelling in their flesh. Wow. Amazing. So now we go all the way back to why, 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 why did God make the earth? I'm going to go back to Isaiah 24. Made the earth empty, made it waste, turned it upside down and scattered abroad the inhabitants. Why? Isaiah 24, verse 5. Because they transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and they broke the everlasting covenant. I mean, that 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 really, wow. That takes me to another level. Because now I'm thinking that the everlasting covenant is the circumcision. And I researched last night Throughout the entire world, I mean, how many people are still being circumcised, males? And and what I saw is the seed of Abraham, no matter where they're scattered, they are still adhering to circumcision in the flesh of their male children. And so you wonder, the seed of Abraham, who is that? We know about Ishmael, and Ishmael basically, you know, represented, I would say, the uh, Muslims and, you know, even maybe going over to Egypt land and so forth. So that's Ishmael. And then you have Isaac. So we know about Isaac. That's uh, Jacob, Esau, you know, uh, from that came actually 24 tribes. The 12 tribes of um, Isaac, which we call Israel. And then you have 12 tribes also under Ishmael. Okay, and that's Moabites and so forth. But there's more. Abraham had another wife, Keturah. And they had six sons. And I believe that's all of Afghanistan and Persia and maybe even parts of India and China. So I said, well, let me look at the population today and see, are we like very close to breaking the everlasting covenant again? And uh, to my surprise, most of these geographical areas are still adhering to, and I'm talking specifically the bloodline of Abraham. They are still pretty much adhering 99.9% to the everlasting covenant of circumcision. Now you do see over in India and parts of China, they're not adhering to it. They're like (laughs) 0.1, not even 1%. And so how are we in jeopardy 
of having God do the same thing that he did already in Isaiah 24th chapter. Wow, we learned so much this morning. What we're learning is that we were created in God's image purposely. And the purpose was to replenish the earth with God kind, mankind, mankind that will function as the creator himself. And I've not forgotten about the iniquity of the Amorites because it wasn't just the Amorites. It was all those ites that we just talked about. And over in Leviticus, the 18th chapter. So when we say we want to escape to heaven, we're really saying we want to escape to a lifestyle that the image of God should be living. So we're look, let's look at this um, iniquity of the Amorites. Now, Leviticus 18 chapter, when Moses have all the people in the wilderness and God is now beginning to teach them the principles. The primary iniquity is the sin of incest. So he said, none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. So you should not approach intimately your father, your mother. You should not approach intimately the father's wife, whether it's your mother or not. Not your sister, your daughter, not the daughter of your father or your mother. Uh, the nakedness of your son's daughter or thy daughter's daughter. The nakedness of thy father's wife, daughter, begotten of thy father. That's your sister. When you read all of these, thou shall not uncover the nakedness. It means that you really cannot be intimate with family members. That's what it means. So that is the iniquity, primary iniquity of the ites, the Amorites. <laughs> and uh, for that sin, that, that sin has a, a, a punishment. And so the Lord is saying, I'm blessing your, your seed, Abraham, because the Amorites did these things. Now I'm going to bring your seed into the promised land. But in order for them to keep the promised land, they cannot do the same thing that the Amorites have done. Okay. And uh, what he was trying to tell Abraham that even though I'm going to put your people, your seed, in the land of Canaan, after four generations, your seed is going to do the same thing that the Amorites and the tribes before them that, I, that the land spewed out. And I agree with, and so I cast them out per the Lord. Your descendants, Abraham, are going to do the same thing in the fourth generation. How awful. And you know, that is something that Gentiles are also guilty of. And if you are not born of the bloodline of Abraham, and, and I'm probably, I think I'm a Gentile. I mean, who knows what we are? It's the whole earth that we cannot commit these kinds of behaviors. 
Thou shalt not let any of your seed pass through the fire of Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. You cannot lie with beasts or animals, bestiality. All of this that we are talking about, we defile the land when we do this. So God told Moses to tell all these people, these slaves that have now been brought out of Egypt, that is, that is the seed of Abraham. Do not defile yourself as the tribes that were before you have done. Okay. And so when that happens, when we as mankind do the things that I just described, the land is actually defiled. And so you say, well, how could the land be defiled? Well, think about it. We came from dust and we go back to dust. And so when that dirt gets into the land of individuals that are committing these acts of abomination, the land itself becomes defiled. Wow. Amazing. Leviticus 18, chapter verse 25 says, the land itself vomited out her inhabitants. Okay. For all these abominations have the men of the land done that were before you. And the land was defiled. Don't do these things is what God has said, because the land will spew you out also as it did the nations before you. Wow. And so now by us looking at the chapters that we have looked at, and I go back again to Isaiah 24 chapter, where it says, verse five, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Because why? They transgress, transgress the laws, you know, the Ten Commandments, etc. They change the ordinance. I don't know exactly what that means, but it feels like the ordinance of resting on the Sabbath. And then they broke the everlasting covenant. And I, I want to speak there because lots of us, we say, well, we're not under that covenant, honey. That's the Jews. That's the Israelites. That's anybody that's of the lineage of Abraham. They don't want God to do that. Not us. We're under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. But then when you listen to Jesus, he's always saying how he did not come to destroy the covenant before. He said he came to fulfill it. To, 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 he didn't discredit it. So the new covenant, uh, yes, I can run over to Hebrews, I believe the ninth chapter or somewhere like that. And we'll learn that the new covenant, um, it came because the old covenant, it could not be kept. The Israelites or the seed of, uh, Abraham could not keep that old covenant. And so therefore we have a better covenant. And that, that, that's through Jesus Christ, through his blood. And, uh, Hebrews nine, chapter verse 14, 15 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament, uh, Testament 
that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And you say, well, what is that better covenant? And this is the covenant that God said is the new covenant. He says, I will make a new covenant. And he made that new covenant with, again, the lineage of Abraham. But we are also under the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And that new covenant is that God will put his laws in our mind. See, we will always be inclined to adhere and comply with the laws of God. And then he'll write them in our hearts and he will be to us, our God, a God, and we will be his people. Oh, we learned a lot. I'm going to stop. You want to escape to heaven? Here's what you do. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can have the new covenant. And then you won't be in jeopardy of uh, transgressing the laws and not adhering to the everlasting covenant and circumcision and all of that. The new covenant circumcises our heart, our spirit, our soul, mainly our spirit. We have a new spirit. And as a result, our soul changes to conform to the new spirit. And therefore, our body do the acts consistent with the transformation that we receive because of the new covenant. We were created to replenish the earth. And so perhaps there were beings before the image of God. That's what it appears to be. Or maybe they were mankind, but just not in his image. I don't know. I do know that Genesis 1, I'm going to go back to it and read it to you. Verse number 28, as God blessed this image of himself that he created, he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish, the fowl, and over every living thing. We were created to replenish this earth so that God's will will be done upon this earth as it is in his kingdom. Father God, I lift up Radio Land. I lift up myself. I lift us up, Lord, unto you. God, we give you praise and we thank you for creating us, choosing us, justifying us, and through our lives here, you are glorified. And you did this, Lord, before the foundation of the earth. Lord God, we give you praise. We ask you to continue to empower us so that we can represent you upon this earth, replenishing this earth with your image, with your statues, with your lifestyle, so that earth can be as heaven. No tears, no death, no murder, no, no sexual improprieties, no burning of children, no killing children. Oh, Father, we thank you. 
that you have chosen us to bring your kingdom to this earth. Saints of God, unbelievers, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the moment to do it. Time is changing. Repeat after me. I confess Jesus, the Son of God, as my Savior, who God raised from the dead by His power. I am saved by my faith. Unclean spirits, kingdom of darkness, I reject you. I divorce myself from you. And I receive the kingdom of God's dear Son in my heart. Holy Spirit, live inside of me and teach me how to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next time. May the Lord be with you. Bye.